here comes the drop! This is 20 Questions Tuesday, the podcast where one guy asks another guy 20. I'm David Reinstrom. And I'm David Brunel Brutman. Dave, I've discovered something truly horrifying and wonderful. Horrifying and wonderful? Well, there's two separate things, both related. Like, like spiders that spin, I don't know, chocolate? Worse and better. How do you feel about the band Smash Mouth? Were you aware that in 2013 Smash Mouth published a cookbook? Fuck no! Smash Mouth, Recipes from the Road, a rock and roll cookbook. Oh no, why is this real? A cookbook so great, it had to have two colons, just like you'll need after you cook this cookbook. <laughs> Smash Mouth invades the culinary world with a rock and roll cookbook. Recipes from the Road is a unique fusion of delicious recipes, hilarious real-life road stories straight from the mouth, candid road photos, and guest recipes from pop icons such as Guy Fieri, Sammy Hagar, Jerome Bettis from the Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> and Michael Simon, the Iron Chef, all displayed in a beautiful, eye-popping layout. Let me just show you what this eye-popping layout looks like. Listeners, uh, this looks as though early 2000s graphic design was placed uh, carelessly into a blender uh, and then blended into a fine paste, which was then crammed into the mouth of Guy Fieri, and they waited for several days and nights while it wormed its way through his digestive system, and then they placed uh, the book cover underneath his bare ass, and (laughs) just whatever came out, they printed it. That is what this book cover looks like. It is the worst. Isn't there a performance artist who gives him or herself paint enemas and then, like, farts out the results on canvases? Uh, I, feel I like, haven't I feel heard like of one, thing. but now that you've said it, deep, deep inside, I know there must be. Not that deep inside. Wait, did we talk about the guy who ejaculates all over paintings? No, we didn't. What? There's a guy who, like, ejaculates on canvases and then throws, um, I don't know, glitter or something on it. <laughs> Jesus. Let's, let's look at this. Editorial reviews from the back cover. Alright. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. From singing together to cooking together, the guys from Smash Mouth are not only the real rock and roll deal, they are true food dudes too. Guy Fieri, star of diners, drive-ins, and dives. I like how they even take out the the terminal G. It goes an apostrophe. From singing and apostrophe to cooking and and apostrophe. So you know it's rock and roll. From the reviews, it says they're not even recipes from Smash Mouth. It's just like restaurant chef recipes that Smash Mouth have enjoyed and asked the chefs of those restaurants if they could have the recipes. Well, I mean, Vincent Price kind of did that, right? Sure. sure. Vincent Price. But I somehow, I believe in the taste of... Like the good taste of Vincent Price. Really? You think Vincent Price had better taste than Steve Harwell? Than real rock and roll deal band Smash Mouth? I do. I do. 
Vincent Price would never smash anybody's mouth unless it was with a tire iron or a fire poker. And then he would sew it together, but completely shut. So that's thing number one that's horrible. Thing number two is a palate cleanser. Wait, there's more? Yeah, there's more. There's more. The other thing is to oh, clean out God. your mouth with more smash mouth. You remember uh, Potter Puppet Pals? Yeah, sure. That was the creation of a brother and sister team, uh, Emmy and Neil Ciceriga. Okay. Uh, Neil Ciceriga is a musician, and he did an entire album called Mouth Sounds. And it is like what? 21 covers of different songs, <laughs> all using All Star. I can't even wrap my brain around that. It's a, it's a mashup album. I am so album. baffled right now. I was just talking with Mark Soloff was telling me about this yesterday. Friend of the show, Mark Soloff, host of Blastra Podcast and a fellow writer and actor on Arthur City. Yeah, was, listen to uh, those was telling me about this yesterday. Plug, Mouth plugs. Sounds by Neil Ciceriga. Mouth Sounds. Mouth Sounds. Ugh. Came out in uh, April 2014. Ugh. Ugh. That's sounds. what I have to contribute. What's up with you? And man, after that, I got nothing. There's, there's nothing I can do. Mouth Please. Sounds? What? <laughs> I read about some history. What history did you read about? Okay, so in the... Late 19th century, apparently it was in vogue for a little while for women to participate in topless duels. What? Yes. What? Okay, this this originated in a duel between two Viennese noblewomen in the 1890s. Uh, so previously to this, y you know, people were running around dueling each other all the time over slights and they're slapping each other with their gloves and whatnot but almost all of these people are men and they're dueling other men sure and if women like noble women had a dispute they would appoint champions to duel for them and so these two men would say oh i represent countess such and such and the other guy would be like i represent princess so-and-so and then they would have it out with swords. But I love Princess So-and-So. Well, no, it, it would be a dispute between the two women who would then settle it by having two men fight for them. That's what I'm saying. I see. But uh, in the 1890s, or possibly a little bit earlier, uh, women started having uh, liberated duels. Okay. Meaning they would duel each other because they didn't need men. Ha-ha! They could have violence all by themselves. And so one of the early notable, uh, one of these early notable duels uh, involved two, like I said, Viennese noblewomen who had a dispute about floral arrangements at a party. No. Yes. I, I kid you not. They had a dispute about floral arrangements at, the, at a party. And among the European nobility at this time, uh, these were still all sword duels. Okay. So we're not talking about pistols at dawn. We're talking about swords, possibly also at dawn. But it would be to the blood. So you would duel until one of you uh, cut the other. And once you cut your opponent, then whoever cut wins and whoever got cut loses and your dispute is resolved. Sure. So this duel between these two Viennese noblewomen was overseen by uh, another woman who had some sort of medical training and was like, all right, listen, you women are wearing a lot of layers. You've got a lot of clothing on. 
and I heard or read in a in a medical text about a duel between men uh, where one of them cut the other and it pushed the guy's clothing into the wound and it got stuck in there and it got terribly infected and the guy died. Ugh. So clearly the safest thing to do is for both of you to strip halfway to the waist and have your duel topless. Of course. Which is exactly what they did. No. All of the, yes, yes, they met in a field and all of the, the court noble women stood around and all of the male uh, all, all the male noblemen had to be somewhere else and all of the male servants had to walk a certain distance away and turn their backs the entire time. That's so stupid. I and love the this. two combatants stripped to the waist, meaning, I might add, that they were still wearing, like, full, big skirts and, like... Uh, uh, so, like, 30 pounds of clothes. You know, petticoats and pantaloons and boots and, you know, like everything that a woman would have worn on her and, lower half. And bustles too, right? Like, therefore preventing yeah. them from getting within three feet of each other. Well, I, I don't know how big the bustles were at, at that time. But, uh, you know, we're still talking about a substantial amount of clothing, but from the top up, completely, you know, bare-chested, bare-breasted, and they dueled each other with swords. And that is... Uh, the history of <laughs> that is the history of the first 19th century topless duel uh, apparently it spawned a, a bit of an art craze <laughs> there were a lot of depictions of this in popular art at the time because like why wouldn't you want a, you know an engraving of two badass ladies duking it out with their boobs out duke out with the tukes out duke out with your tukes out there we go New coinage. This is ridiculous. Yep. So that's History Corner with Dave for today. History Corner with Dave. Boobs! <laughs> well, with that out of the way, <laughs> you ready to play 20 Questions Tuesday? I'm ready to play 20 Questions Boobs Day. Let us go over the hey. Mm. What? Nothing. Let's go over the rules. Okay. Rule number one. I will think of a thing. Rule number two. Dave will ask only yes or no questions to narrow down the nature of the thing. Rule number three. If David exceeds 20 questions, the game and reality as we know it is over. No more than 20 questions are permitted. Rule number four. If David correctly guesses the thing in fewer than 20 questions, he wins the game, and we all get to live for another week. Rule number five. Everyone must be entirely hairless now. Way ahead of you, buddy. Thanks, buddy. You ready? I'm ready. All right. You may ask your first question. Oh my goodness, question number one! Ah, pressure is on! True. Ugh. Is it a car? <laughs> it's not a car. Uh, is it uh, is it something man-made? It is not something man-made. Is it a living thing? It is a living thing. Is it a living thing of the sea? No, it is mm. not a living thing of the sea. Is it uh, a land animal? It is a land animal, yes. Is it a land animal that I would have seen today? No. Is it a land animal that I have seen at some point in my life? Absolutely. Uh, is it a domesticated animal? Not especially, no. Hmm. But it's slightly domesticated? I would say that some of them tolerate people. There's somebody somewhere keeping one of these as a pet. But it's weird. 
Um, it's certainly uncommon. It is very rare. Dude, dude, did you hear about this movie Roar? Yes. <laughs> oh, shit. The, it's being billed as the most dangerous movie ever made. It was Tippi Hedren, Tippi Hedren's husband, who's a movie producer of some sort, Mm-hmm. And they decided, I, I and, guess... And their child, young Melanie Griffith. Yes, and their child, a young Melanie Griffith. And they decided at some point in maybe the 80s? Uh, it might have been earlier. It might have been the, the mid-70s when they started this, because I think it took them like 11 years to do. That they were going to self-finance a family movie about a pack of wild cats, big cats, like lions and tigers who terrorized a small town. And so for about 11 years, they lived with about 100 plus, I think 150, like, lions. Like, big cats. And so many... And they filmed this movie. So many people were injured. I believe the count at the end was zero animals harmed, 70 people (laughs) injured. Like... Maulings. No. Melanie Griffith got her face mauled and had to have ah. reconstructive surgery. No. Uh, the the guy whose name I forget, her father, uh, he got like scratched and bitten by one of the lions, and he developed gangrene. Uh, everybody got injured by these giant cats that they lived with for that is eleven terrible. years. While filming this horrible movie. That is insane. Here's the kicker. Hmm. It's a bad movie. All of these people got seriously injured, nearly killed for a terrible, terrible movie. That sucks. Yeah. Alamo Drafthouse uh, apparently just acquired the rights and they're re-releasing it as a shit show. (laughs) Specifically because it's a shit show. That's astounding and I love it. Uh, but it's not that. I was not thinking of Roar. Okay, no big cats are involved. No big cats are involved. And no small cats because it's not a commonly domesticated animal. Correct. It's something that tolerates humans, though? Sure, absolutely. Uh, is, it some, is it an animal you might find in a city? Keep in mind there are coyotes in Central Park. Uh, no, under normal circumstances you would not find it uh, in the wild in the city. Okay. Um, is it uh, a mammal? It is a mammal. Is it dangerous? Sure. Like to humans? If you make it angry. Hmm. Otherwise, look? otherwise, no, probably not. Uh, does it have sharp teeth? Uh, technically, yes. But sharp like incisors? They are, they are incisors, yes, as sharp incisors. Mm. Is it an herbivore? It is an herbivore. Is it big? Yes. It's a big herbivore. Yes. Um. With notable incisors. Big herbivore. Are, are the incisors notable? Are they like a oh, notable yes. feature of the animal? Yes. Um, but it doesn't have any pointy teeth, so it's not like a hippo. Correct. It doesn't have canines, but the incisors are pretty indisputably pointy. Like a beaver. No. Mm. Uh, is it a rodent? It is not a rodent. Okay. Actually, a beaver is like the biggest rodent I can think of. What's a bigger rodent than a beaver? A capybara? That, that's the one I was thinking of. Is it an ungulate? No, it's got toes. Is it a moose? Uh, it is not a moose. Is it something that you would find in the woods? No. Would you find it in a desert? No. Would you find it in the mountains? 
No. Uh, would you find it on the beach? Probably not, no. Would you find it on the plains? Yes. The Great Plains? No. The okay plains? The mediocre plains? Mm, no, it's a great plane, but it's not the Great Plains. That's the name of my new aerospace company, Mediocre Plains. <laughs> We're, uh... Looking for angel funders. Yeah, we, we don't have many investors. No, I imagine not. Uh, okay, is it, uh, is it something found in Africa? Like on the yes. Serengeti? Yes. Is it a wildebeest? It is not a wild. I mean, it is a wild beast, but it's not a wildebeest. Um. It's a wildechaya. A what now? Hmm? That's Yiddish for wild beast. Oh. Ah, stop running around like a wildechaya with the spilkes. I don't know. All of that sounded irredeemably filthy to me. Uh, okay. I'll give you some spilkes later. Oh. <sighs> I'm making that noise a lot this podcast. <laughs> Does it travel in packs? Yes. Okay, or like herds, I guess. If it's an herbivore, it's probably more of a herd situation. It's a herd, yeah. Uh, is it a zebra? It's not a zebra. Is it a giraffe? Sadie, it's not a giraffe. Okay, I'm trying to think. Okay, so animals that are on the Serengeti, they travel in herds. Do they get pre- they get preyed upon by mm-hmm. lions? And cheetahs. Be pretty hard to prey upon this if you were a cheetah. Okay, it's too big for cheetahs. It's an elephant. It is an elephant. Okay, it's an elephant. It's an elephant. So, so their tusks are modified, elongated incisors. I did not know that. That is very interesting. Uh, are they? So, okay, are they morphologically similar to hippo? Uh, hippo tusks. I'm pretty sure hippo tusks are canines. Are they canines? Because hippos are totally herbivorous, but they are deadly as shit. Okay, so it's it's elephants. Is it elephants or is it one elephant? How many elephants are we talking about? One elephant. It's a single elephant. A single elephant. Is this elephant in its natural habitat? No, in fact. Is it Babar? It is not Babar. And it's in Paris. He is not in Paris. Is this elephant in some way different from all other elephants? Let's say no, but in this universe, all elephants are different from current existing elephants. Okay, because they can talk? Sure. They can talk to each other. They can talk to people. Do they wear clothes? They don't have to. But like... They're anthropomorphic in some way. Okay. This elephant is doing a thing that a normal elephant in our universe would never do. Okay. And it's not playing music because we got my grandfather a CD of elephant music for his, I want to say, 75th birthday? Maybe? What is elephant music? What is that? 80th birthday? Maybe it was his 80th birthday. Uh, there are these elephants in Thailand. It's the Thai Elephant Orchestra, and it's a musical ensemble consisting of about 14 elephants uh, near Lampang in northern Thailand. And uh, they give all the elephants various musical instruments. That's amazing. And then they just record what the elephants do. So the elephants will, like, bang on drums and bells and various other things. Uh, And uh, apparently they actually kind of work in sync with each other. That's wonderful. The result is very um, ambient. 
It's got it's got kind of a, but well, no, I, I use that in it not not necessarily in a pejorative sense, in, in the sense that it it's got sort of a it's got sort of an ambient flow to it, you know. Cool. Yeah. It's uh, these elephants. They're not too bad. They're not too bad. So the elephant is not playing music because in the real world, guess what? Elephants do that. I don't want to give anything away. I'm not going to comment. Wait. You have to answer my question. What's the question? Do the elephants in this scenario, does the elephant in your scenario play music? No, but music is involved. Hmm. Is the elephant listening to music? No. So, okay, so so I decided, since you solved my last one so fast, I decided I was just going to break everything down from now on into who, where, what, why, how. Okay, fair. So the who is an elephant. The who is an elephant. Is there more who? Uh, God, I hope no. not. Those guys are no, old as there, fuck. They are not very good anymore. <laughs> there is there is not more who. You can give the elephant a name if you want. You don't have to. The elephant's name is... Mm-hmm. Frederick. Frederick? Frederick the elephant? Frederick the elephant. Cool. Okay. Where he is. Where he is. Okay, so the elephant is not in his natural habitat of Correct. the plains of Africa. Correct. Well, wait, is this this is an African elephant, right? Sure, he's an African yeah, elephant. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, so the elephant is not in his natural habitat of the plains of Africa. Correct. Um, is he in, let's see, is he in a human environment? Yes, he is. Is he in a city? Yes. Is he in a is he in a major world city? Yes. Hmm. Um is he in a major world city in Africa? He is not. Hmm. Is he in a major world city uh anywhere in the old world? Yes. Hmm. Uh is he in an an Asian city? He is not. Is he in a European city? Very much so, yes. Hmm. Is he in, well, no, we already established he's not in Paris. He's not in Paris. Uh, is he in a city in Northern Europe? No. Southern Europe? No. Eastern Europe? No. Uh, um, uh, Western Europe? Nope. What? What's in between all of those things? I don't know. Germany. He's not in Germany. Germany. Uh, Germany. Okay. I mean, Central Europe. Central Europe, there we go. Well, what's in Central Europe besides Germany? Austria? He is in Austria. Okay, he's in Vienna. He is in Vienna. Frederick the Elephant is in Vienna, two out of five. Hmm, okay, so Frederick was probably an appropriate name then. Yes, Frederick is pretty great. Good going, me. Now, there is, there is, there is somewhere even more specific within Vienna that he is at. And it involves music. It does involve music. He's at a a concert in Vienna. He's at a concert hall. He is at not only a concert hall, but the concert hall. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Uh, no, I I know I I know which one you're talking about, but I don't know the name of it. I've seen it on TV. The Musikverein. Okay. The most famous concert hall in Vienna. One of the greatest venues, concert venues in the world. The Wiener Musikverein, the Viennese Music Association, I think. Yeah, I've seen things performed there. Like, so, via the televisions and the YouTubes. 
Okay, so he's in so, that one. Yes, he's in that one. Okay, we've got who, we've got where. Mm-hmm. What is he doing? He is... Uh, well, he's not playing music. He is not playing music. He's he's listening to music. Is he listening he to is music? Not, he is not listening to music. He's not listening to music. He's uh, in some way involved in the, the management of the concert hall. No. He's not working there. Is he working he there? Is, he is not working there. He's infiltrating it. Yes, he is. To steal something? Yes, indeed. He's infiltrating it to steal a Stradivarius. Nope. He's infiltrating it to steal the orchestra. <laughs> no. He's infiltrating it. Is he infiltrating it to steal something that Absolutely. an elephant would want? Yes. That um, this elephant Frederick specifically wants. Right, but like an elephant type thing. Like, I don't no. know, peanuts. Or no, it's, not an, it's not necessarily an elephant type thing. I don't know. They like peanuts. They don't like mice. <laughs> right? And that's cartoons. all we know about elephants. Yes. Disney cartoons from the 30s? Okay. He's stealing something. Is it something valuable? Absolutely. Is it made of gold? It is not made of gold. Is it made of jewels? No. It is a man-made object. Yes, absolutely. It's not an instrument, though. It is an instrument. Oh, it is an instrument. Okay, he's stealing a specific instrument. Correct. Okay, uh, a big instrument? Mm-hmm. A tuba. It's not a tuba. A sousaphone. Nope. A trombone. Not a trombone. Uh, is it a brass instrument? Nope. Uh, is it a, um, a string instrument? Uh... It's a piano. Yeah, it's a piano. Ha-ha! <laughs> Here's the thing, because under the Hornbostelzach's musical instrument classification system it's sort of technically a, yes it is a type of chordophone but it's not a string instrument right because it's because it's half string instrument half percussion yeah because so, it is struck yes. rather than plucked correct right yes yeah yeah so in fact the Hornbostelzach's n- classification number in case you were curious what is Hornbostelzach's Gesundheit Hornbostelzach's is an instrument classification system um, made by these two German ethnomusicologists in, like, the early 20th century. Interesting. Because imagine if, you know, you're you're doing an anthropological study of of a culture that is completely different from your own. How do you describe their musical instrument? Uh Uh-huh. What is it? You know what this sounds like? I've been... uh, Maybe this is a little further back, though. I've been casually following the um, the devlog for Dwarf Fortress. Okay. And he's gotten to randomly generated instruments. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So he now has he's now implemented implemented randomly generated instruments in the game that belong to different randomly generated cultures and create randomly generated songs which then get paired with randomly generated dances oh my god and all of these have different all kinds of different moving parts so he has all these like pieces of instruments that the system will randomly combine that is incredible yeah yeah so you can get like you know and and it'll generate a random name for it like this is the zumberflout (laughs) 
It is a... That sounds a lot like a Zauberflote. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. It is a combination string and woodwind instrument with X number of strings and X number of valves on it. You play it by blowing exuberantly into the top. It is pretzel-shaped. Like that. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it sounds like, this classification system. Like the bits. Here are the kinds of instruments that there are according to... The, so so it's like the Dewey Decimal System, but for instruments? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sure that uh, that Tarn Adams, the, the Dwarf Fortress developer, I'm sure he must have looked at this system. <laughs> he does good research. That's awesome. So there's idiophones, which are things that make noise when you, like, hit it, uh, like a xylophone or cymbals. Membranophones, which are, you know, membranous things like a, uh, like, a like a drum. Mm-hmm. Um, or a kazoo. Kazoo? Low on it. Yeah. Uh, or chordophones, which include, you know, pianos and stringed instruments, and aerophones, which include brass instruments and woodwinds. And also, finally, electrophones, which are um, theremins and synthesizers. Bleeps and bloops. Bleeps and bloops. I like to imagine that. I, I know there are better ways of classifying instruments than Hornbostelzach, but. I just love saying it so much. And also, I imagine that it would probably still work somehow if we met aliens and the aliens had instruments too. We could probably be like, oh, yes, that's a struck idiophone. Probably. I mean, assuming that, you know, they had hearing. Oh, that's true. What if it was like an, a musical instrument that made color instead of sound? Yeah, that's from an Asimov story. It is? That's awesome. It's from an Asimov story, and then it's from uh, Futurama. <laughs> I want to say it's the second Lige Bailey book, The Naked Sun. Okay. He he goes to one of the fancified uh, outer world planets. Oh, this is the one where, like, nobody talks to each other in person. Yes, because they're, they're, so, they're so germaphobic uh-huh. that everybody lives in a house all by themselves, and they only interact by telepresence. Yeah, man, that's weird. Yeah, but they have these concerts uh, with these instruments that project uh, color patterns. So yeah, that's Asimov sweet. totally thought of that one. So we've got the who, the where, and the what so far. Okay, who, elephant, where, concert house, what, stealing a piano. How's he doing it, and why? Okay. He is doing it by rappelling from the ceiling. He's, of course he is. He's He's gone onto the roof, and he's <laughs> opened a skylight. Yep. And he's slowly lowering himself down on a really, really strong cable. <laughs> yes. To pluck the piano out from... Uh, under the fingers of the concert pianist who is playing it in concert. I had imagined that the concert hall was empty. Okay, this this elephant is not so bold that he would do this in broad daylight. Nah, under the cover of darkness. Okay, fine. So the piano that they left on the, the stage at the concert house. Correct. Okay. The Musikverein? Oh, I'm sorry. It was the, it was the Musikverein? Yeah. Musikverein. So why is he doing this? He's doing it for money. Nope. He's doing it for love. 
Sort of. He's doing it for love of the game. Nope. He's doing it, um, hmm. Okay, does he want to play the piano? He does not. Does he want to give the piano to somebody? Sort of, no. Mm. Sort of, but no. He, he doesn't want to display the piano. Mm-mm. He doesn't, he's not gonna fence it. He's not gonna fence it. Is he gonna smash it up? Uh, yes. He hates pianos. He does. This elephant fucking hates pianos and he wants all of them gone. Yes. Okay, so he's stealing all the pianos one by one? This one in particular is very important to him. Okay, this is an object of special hatred. It's not hatred. He probably wouldn't be that. He's probably very gentle with his piano. He's gentle with the piano, but he also doesn't like it? Yeah, he's going to disassemble it, but I wouldn't say he's going to smash it. Hmm. Does he want something that's part of the piano? He does. Uh, the wire? Nope. Uh, oh, oh, of course he's mad at the piano. It has ivory keys. So it does. Oh, no. The piano, the piano keys are made out of somebody, he's, uh, his, his relations tusks. Yes, correct. It, uh, does it matter what the relationship is? Yes. His grandmother's tusks. Not his grandmother's tusks. His mother's tusks. No. His father's tusks. No. His wife's tusks. You were so close with grandmother. Oh, his grandfather's tusks. His grandfather's tusks. Okay, so his grandfather's tusks were made into the keys of this piano. Yes. So now he's going to steal a piano. Yes. Take all the keys off. Well, the... Yes. The white keys. Sure. Uh... What are the black keys made out of? Wood? E- ebony. Ebony. G- yeah, from Gabon. Oh, it's just also like... Also extremely, also extremely endangered. It's just like that song. What? Endangered Ebony from Gabon? Yeah, that one. Yeah, by uh, Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. Yep, that's the one. Endangered Ebony from Gabon is usually 200 a foot. It's very expensive. You heard the 99% Invisible about the post-billiards age, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, look that one up, listeners. Really interesting stuff. It's all about how the ivory trade, uh, people were worried that the ivory trade was going to fall apart because they were killing all the elephants. So uh, that became the genesis for plastics. Really cool. And it happened via the game of billiards. I won't explain how. Listen to the podcast. 99 PI. You know, I wonder if if it took, like, several elephants just to make a set of billiard balls, it probably took both of Frederick's grandparents' tusks to make this piano. It probably did. I think, I'm trying to remember what they said on that uh, 99 Invisible. I think they said one, you could get five balls out of one tusk. You could mill five billiard balls out of one elephant tusk. I, Unbelievable. So, and what? There's 20, right? So you, you got to kill two elephants to get yeah. a full set of billiard balls. Jesus. I don't know how that translates to piano keys. I imagine you can make more piano keys, but I don't know how many. But yeah, elephant murder for everyone. Oh. Okay. So what is what is he going to do with these keys once, once he's got them? He's going to take them... 
to his grandfather's gravesite and bury them with his grandfather. Correct. He's going to go to the elephant graveyard. Ooh, the elephant graveyard. Yeah, in his community. Ominous. On the Serengeti. Everywhere the light touches, Simba. Except for over there. Don't go over there. That place is shitty. The Lion King! No! That's exactly what that movie was. Ah, fuck, you're starting again. Baba City, you. Ingoyama. Ingoyama. Well, at least you know the actual words. The lyrics to that are, I think, in Zulu, and they're really dumb. It's like. Father, a lion is coming. A lion comes to this place. The lion is here. Lion. Hey, you know, points for accuracy. Yeah. The Zulus and the Germans, <laughs> they, they ought to get together and write some songs. <laughs> they would have very, very practical things to say in song form. Yeah, I don't think the Zulus and the Germans getting together worked out so well. We call that South Africa now. Yikes. I mean, not just the Germans, right? Also the Dutch and the English. Yes. Did you hear about there's a hotel in uh, Florida that's very popular for spring break? And a couple of years ago, they started playing that track from The Lion King at full blast early in the morning. (laughs) To wake up all the drunk, hungover college students staying in their hotel. That's amazing. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, and now people, like, come to the hotel for that. Wow. They, like, come to be woken up by the the opening track of The Lion King. It's great. Dave? Dave! What was I thinking of? Oh, my goodness, David. This week, you were thinking of an elephant. Frederick the Elephant. We. In fact. Yes. Frederick has a mission. Frederick is going to sneak into the Musikverein in Vienna, rappel down from the ceiling, grab the piano on stage there, rappel out of the ceiling. Yep. And then remove all the keys from the piano because they are all made of ivory from his grandfather's tusks. And he is going to take those ivory keys and bring them back to the elephant graveyard on the Serengeti and bury them with his grandfather in their rightful place. Dave, that is correct! I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) That's correct. Let's go over to the Scoratorium and see how you did. Okay, okay. So here we are on the beautiful Serengeti. This is where I have put... Ooh, look, uh, an antelope. Oh, there it goes. Ooh, look, a baobab tree. That doesn't make any noise, David. How am I supposed to edit that in? No, they make noise. Here, I'll make you what? the noise of the baobab tree. <laughs> baobab. Oh, you're right. There it is. Baobab. Dave, you got this 20 Questions Tuesday challenge in just 15 questions. Nice. Very nice. I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of me, too. And I'm proud of that elephant for taking back what was his. Fuck the man. And that's how you play 20 Questions Tuesday! It's 20 Questions Tuesday! Yes, it is. Listen to it. This week, we'd like to thank iTunes reviewer Mr. Fiverr, who says our podcast was a real lifesaver because we reminded him to clean his lint trap in episode one. Thanks, Mr. Fiverr. We're glad you're not on fire, too. 
If you like the show, you can follow Mr. Fiverr's example and leave a review for us on iTunes. Just search for 20 Questions Tuesday on the iTunes Store. You can give us a star rating or leave a written review and we'll thank you on a future episode. For special bonus content and show notes, you can like our Facebook page over at facebook.com slash 20questionstuesday and follow us on Twitter at 20questionstues. And you can keep up with everything we do at 20questionstuesday.com. Our theme song is Blood Meridian by Curlier, licensed under a Creative Commons 3.0 license. The music you heard under the show this week was by The Good Laws, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. If you'd like us to use your music, message us on Facebook or Tumblr. Up next, the Gelatinous Orb Compliance Hour. I'm David Reinstrom. And I'm David Brunel-Brotman. Good night! <laughs>